Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Okay, we're going to start out today in Genesis 32, and I'm going to talk to you about Jacob, not that Jacob, the other Jacob, although I could tell you some stories about him if you want. They wouldn't be quite so interesting. He got a sunburn at the end. Um, (laughs) Poor Jacob, poor Jacob. I pick on him because I've known him since he was born. Um... No, Jacob. Jacob, the patriarch of Israel. Jacob, whose name became Israel. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Okay, Abraham, who was called out of the land of his fathers, who was called to a place where God alone would show him. And God said to Abraham, everywhere the sole of your foot touches is yours. And your children's and their children's and on and on and on, that your descendants would live in that land. And he said, your descendants will be as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. But Abraham had a problem, right? He had a wife who was barren. She could not have children. That's a whole other thing. But anyway, God said, you're going to birth nations. You're going to be the father of many nations. And then he gave him one son. And then after Sarah died, he had other sons. But the promise was carried through one son. You're going to birth nations through one son. And so then Isaac, his son, he had a lot to carry, right? So then Isaac goes and he gets a wife from the land of his fathers and does all the things that God commands. And he has two sons. Okay, you're going to birth nations, two sons. And they were Esau and Jacob. They were twins. Jacob was born second. But Jacob was called supplanter because he held the heel of his brother as he came out. And so they called him Jacob because Jacob means supplanter. And he said, the younger will rule over the older. Okay, I'm giving you some foundation here because I want you to understand who we're talking about. This is the Jacob that we're talking about. When we come to him in chapter 32, he is desperate. He is alone, he is scared, and he is in distress. The reason for that is because he tricked his brother and stole his birthright. Then he tricked his father into blessing him as the firstborn. Now, in Israel, the firstborn receives a greater blessing than any of the other children. And it's because he is the one to receive the inheritance, right? Right? Okay, preach with me. It'll go faster. No, it won't. So he tricked his father into giving him the blessing of the firstborn. And so the inheritance did not just include houses and land and cattle, but it also included that promise from the Lord. And so the covenant that had come down from Abraham to Isaac then went from Isaac to Jacob. And then Jacob 
has to leave because his brother Esau is ready to kill him. You ever say, how many of you have siblings? I have two. I love them dearly. Right, Kiana? (laughs) But how many times do you say of your siblings, I'm going to kill him? Now, we don't usually mean it, right? But Esau meant it. Esau meant it. He was going to kill him. And so Jacob leaves the land of his fathers, and he goes back to the house of Laban, which would be his uncle. Okay, that's his mother's brother. And he goes there to save his life and to find a wife. Those, that's his job. Live, don't die, find a wife, have kids. That's all you have to do. And so he meets Laban, and he wants Rachel. Okay? He wants Rachel to be his wife. Rachel was beautiful. And so he says to Laban, I don't have anything because I kind of left my dad's house in a hurry. But I will work for you for seven years if you will give me Rachel. And so Laban agrees. And then on the wedding night, whoops, problem, wrong sister. And so he ends up with Leah instead of Rachel. And Laban's like, you know, sorry about that. I had to trick you there. So the, the trickster got tricked. He kind of earned it. He, he totally deserved it. But So then he gives him Rachel also for seven more years of work. So Jacob ends up working 14 years for Laban to pay for the two daughters that became his wives. And then he agrees to work six additional years to earn cattle and wealth and servants and all the things that people needed back in those days. So 20 years he spent on Laban's land, working for him. And during that time, him and his two wives and their two handmaids had about 11 children. There's your nation right there. They were birthing a nation. They had 11 11 sons. At that point, the 12th one hadn't come yet, and they had one daughter. And so they have all these kids. That all happens in 20 years. Before they leave Laban's land, they have all these kids. And God brings them out of Laban's land safely because Laban wanted to, you know, take them back and all that stuff. And then he sets them on the road to his father's homeland. So he's going back home to the land of Isaac. But there's bad news, because Esau is on his way. Now, in the meantime, Esau had also become the head of a nation. If you've ever heard of Edom or the Edomites, that is Esau's land. That's Esau's people. But if you want to learn more about that, talk to Amy about LCU. We'll give you a great course in church history and in the Old Testament. little shameless plug there. (laughs) So... We find Jacob in chapter 32, desperate, alone, afraid, scared, witless, I think would probably be the good word. He had just gone through the process of dividing up his wives and children in order of importance. He put the handmaids and their children up front, and then Leah and her sons and daughter behind, and then Rachel and Joseph in the back. Because if Esau were to attack, he says, I might lose a few. 
but the ones I love the most will be safe. How awful. Could you just take a minute? Could you imagine having to divide your family in order of importance so that if one of them is going to die, you know which one and all this stuff? Could you imagine? I, I, can't, I can't fathom that. But that's what Jacob has had to do. And then he sends them across the river and he stays to wait for the break of day when Esau is going to arrive. And then something very strange happens. Let's start in verse 24. How many of you know when you're desperate, that's when you look to heaven, right? Have you ever been in a season where you maybe weren't as close to God as you should have been, but then you hit rock bottom and you remember who is the rock at the bottom? Amen? Oh, I've been there. He is the rock at the bottom. And so Jacob has now hit rock bottom, and he's looking to heaven. And it says in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, we don't know where this man came from. We don't know what he looked like. We just know he was a man who wrestled with him until the break of day. But Jacob calls this man God. And so it was very likely what's called a Christophany, which is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ before he is revealed as the Christ. And so the man that he was wrestling was most likely God. Jacob wrestled with God in human form. Crazy. That's crazy. Now, he's wrestling with a man, verse 25. Now, when he saw when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. God cheated. But he did, though. He was losing, like Jacob was wrestling with God and winning. So God said, boop, ah. And that's how God won. Now, he doesn't have to fight fair. He's God. <laughs> so his hip is out of joint. He's still wrestling. And the man says, let me go for the day breaks. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's tenacious. I like it. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And so the man says to Jacob, what is your name? Now, this could have been interpreted, how are you known? Or, what is your reputation? Have you ever walked into a room and realized that your reputation has preceded you? And that's not always a good thing. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a restaurant and had somebody say, you're Tom Hall's daughter. And I'm just like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> it's a reputation. What can you do? You're only as good as your name, right? So he says, my name is Jacob. Jacob, supplanter, deceiver, trickster. That was his reputation. That was how he was known. And the man says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, 
but Israel. Israel means God prevails. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. We're going to learn to limp. Let's learn to limp. Okay? God brought Jacob to a place of encounter. Because Jacob was desperate. And how many of you have ever been in a place where you were in a place in your life where you were so desperate that you didn't know what you needed, you just needed help? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so desperate that you were alone and you were scared and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know who you are anymore. I don't know who I am anymore. But God, I need help. Have you ever been there? That's where Jacob was. God, God did not find Jacob on the mountaintop. And Jacob did not find God in the victory. He found him in the wrestling. He found him in the distress. He found him in the fear. He found him when his life was coming potentially to an end. When his past had catch, caught up to him. And he was about to look his brother face to face. That's where he found God. And so when you come to a desperate season and you don't know what to do, look up because that's where God is. That's where God meets you. God will bring you to a season of desperation. He will allow that season to come because it is in that time that you learn your dependency on him. Jacob limped the rest of his life. Every step that he took toward his father's homeland, every step that he took toward the promise of God, every step that he took then to Egypt to be with his son Joseph as the Israelites were headed that way, he limped every step. And every step he was reminded that he wrestled with God. And so how does that affect your, your thinking? Well, here's how. God, I'm having a really tough day, but every time I limp, I remember that you are here and you are faithful. And if you've met me before, God, you're going to meet me again. God, you're going to meet me again. When you become dependent on him, verse 32 goes on to say that the children of Israel still to this day do not eat of the muscle around the hip or the sinew that hooks around the hip socket because they remember that God touched Jacob's hip and made that muscle shrink. And so in honor of Jacob's encounter, they do not eat that muscle of any animal. Your generations will honor the season where you learned dependency. Your generations will look back and say, yeah, that's when he started limping, but man, God was with him every step. Have you ever felt like you're limping, limping through life? Do, do some of you feel like that right now? 
Oh, man, we just came out of a season. <laughs> Last year was quite the year, let me just tell you. John had two surgeries. I had two miscarriages. And then our church closed. And it was a season of just hit after hit after hit. But in that moment, I, I looked to heaven and I said, God, we're limping. And he said, good. Now you'll lean on me. Now you're going to lean on me. We would much rather stand upright and strong and confident. But in your confidence, you can walk under your own strength. And in your own strength, you can even get arrogant enough to think that you can do this thing without God. But when you're limping, and you don't know if you can take one more step, but the person who's holding you up is Jesus Christ, your Savior, then you can limp your way on into glory because he is not going to let you fall. It doesn't matter if you're limping. It matters if you're depending on him. He will never let you fall. Proverbs, verse, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. This has become an anthem for me, especially through this last season. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not. To limp is also to lean. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. If you look at this, if you look at the original meanings of the word, of the words here, trust is confidence, heart is mind, will, and emotions. To lean is to support yourself. Understanding is wisdom. Ways refers to the courses of life. Acknowledge is to consult or search. Direct is to make straight or prosperous, and path, of course, is the journey, the road that you're on. And so you could read this verse like this. Be confident in the Lord with your mind, your will, and emotions. Do not support yourself on your own natural wisdom. In all your life's courses, search for God and consult him first. And he will straighten and prosper your path. He is the God who makes the path clear. It may not be easy, but it will be clear. And so when you're dependent on somebody, when you're leaning on somebody, what does that do? It produces intimacy with that person. Dependency produces intimacy. What do you do when you, when you have a baby? The baby can't feed themselves. They can't bathe themselves. They can't clothe themselves. Most of the time, they even fall asleep in weird places, and you got to put them to bed. If you have kids, you know. But a baby is dependent on their mother, their father, their grandmother, sometimes their grandfather. And so the baby looks to the mother for food and for clothing and for 
all of the things that it needs. And so what does that mean? It means that the baby stays close. It stays close. As I've watched my mom take, Bar- take care of Barrett this week, I've been reminded of just what a fun season that is to have a toddler wrapped around your leg all the time. And she was walking like this a lot. You could say she was limping. But it was because Barrett was so dependent on her that he was leaning on her that she couldn't take one step without Barrett taking that step. And Barrett couldn't take one step without her taking that step. And so her ways became his ways. And so when you're leaning on the Lord, when you're dependent on him, then when he steps, you step. And when he moves, you move. And you don't take one motion without him holding you up because you're dependent on him, you're leaning on him, you're close to him, you're intimate with him, you're close. Intimacy is closeness, it's relationship. And so there were a few times this week that Barrett would walk into a room and Grammy wouldn't be there. And he'd look around and he'd go, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then he'd start crying. He doesn't say much, but he says, uh-oh, and it's so cute. And then he'd yell, daddy, daddy. Everybody is got daddy. That's the only word he can say. Daddy, daddy. And here comes Grammy running. But you see, that's because he started walking without her. And he found himself in a place where she was not. And so when you start to walk on your own, when you're not limping anymore, when you're not leaning on him, you find yourself in a place where God is not with you. When you've gone in your own strength, you find yourself without him. And you say, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. And that's when you say, God, I need help. God, I need help, right? We've all been there. Nothing wrong with it, but you have to learn. You have to learn to lean. Lean on the Lord. Don't lean on your own wisdom. Lean on the Lord. Limp with him. It doesn't matter if you're limping. With him, you're going to run. With him, you're going to run. Amen? Intimacy is produced through dependence. Song of Solomon. A lot of people don't like Song of Solomon. I don't either, honestly. It's, it's too much. But Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5, says, it says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? Leaning upon her beloved. It says, I awakened you. Under the apple tree. Now in Song of Solomon, the apple tree is a representation of the secret place. And so when you spend time in the secret place, that's where he awakens you. That's where you're close with him. 
if you'll spend time under the apple tree in the secret place, then your relationship with him is going to grow and grow and grow. And when you come out of the wilderness, you're going to come out leaning on your beloved. Leaning on your beloved. You ever seen teenagers who are dating that kind of lean on each other? It's like neither one of them can actually walk without the other one. That's the picture here. The bride is the, is the church. The bridegroom is Christ. The apple tree is the secret place. And the wilderness is where you get lost. And so if you get lost in the wilderness, don't worry. Just find an apple tree. Because if you'll go back to the secret place, you're going to come out leaning on him. You're going to come out leaning on your beloved. And it doesn't matter what wilderness you've been in, he's going to lead you out because you're leaning on him. I just want you to understand that you can walk this life and you can make the choices that seem right to man, right? The Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end is destruction. You can make your own choices and you can live your own life. That is your right. God gave you that right. It's called willpower, free will. And you have the free will to walk this life with whatever level of relationship with Christ that you want. Whether it is none at all or very little, church going Sunday, bar Saturday night, church going Sunday, cussing on Monday, church going Sunday, fighting with your wife on the way home. Hey, that's a covenant, y'all. God honors covenant. You can have whatever level of relationship that you want, but if you will lean on him, then even when you're limping, he's going to hold you up. I can only speak to you from where I've been. I can only tell you what I know of him. And I have found him faithful in the limping. This is the first time in my life in a long time that I have found myself limping. But I can tell you that he is still faithful. And it doesn't matter if the limp is going to heal. What matters is, am I going to lean? I'm going to lean. And we're going to lean into him, and we're going to lean into his will, and we're going to lean into his way. And whether it seems like the right way to us or not, it does not matter because I'm just going where my beloved goes. I trust that he knows the way. It might be dark where you're at. It might be scary where you're at. There might be things coming at you that you never thought you would hear spoken over your life. But your beloved is there to lead you out. Just lean on him. Just lean on him. Stand with me. I know it's Sunday morning, but you don't have Sunday night tonight. And before you go eat a lot of grilled food for Father's Day, let's talk to our Heavenly Father. Let's talk to him. 
Because if you want to be a good dad, dads, lean on the Lord. If you want to be a good mother, lean on the Lord. If you want to be a good kid, lean on the Lord. People ask me, how did you come up in a pastor's home and be raised in church and all the things, all the bitterness, all the anger that you have had to go through with them and still come out with a relationship with Jesus? I leaned. I leaned on the Lord. And when it didn't feel like I had anybody else I could lean on, I leaned on him. And when it felt like I could not take one more step, I can't tell you how many times in the last three years I've said, God, I can't take one more step. He has said, just lean on me. And I will help you take the next step. And so what I want from you today, my challenge to you, and what could bring you to this altar is this. Are you leaning And maybe you're standing there and you're saying, I think I have been leaning on the Lord. But there's a few decisions that me and my own intellect have made. And I want to run those by him because I want to lean on him. You can do that today. You can do that at your seat or you can do that at this altar. Maybe you are in a season of medical crisis. It's time to lean on him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you've had a doctor look at you and say, I don't know what to tell you, it's time to lean on him. If you've had a family member look at you and say, I don't know what to tell you, it's just not going to go the way you want it to, it's time to lean on the Lord. God is not going to change other people's mind, but he will change you. He will change you. And so I invite you to the altar. The altar is open. If you want to lean on him more than you are, whether that means that you need salvation today or whether that means that you just want to up your commitment level to your beloved, come find a secret place. Come plant an orchard of apple trees. And let's meet with Jesus, our beloved, in the apple orchard of the secret place here at the altar. So, come on. There is absolutely nobody in this place who is as close to Jesus as you could ever be. There is always a way to get closer. Until your ways are his ways and your thoughts are his thoughts, you are not close enough. Because his ways are higher than our ways. And if there's a thing in you that says, God, I do not understand what I'm walking through. Lean on him. Come up here and lean on him. We'll lean on him together. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.